Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you guys. This one hurts. It hurt to watch this game. 19 offensive rebounds for the Nets. Six to David Duke Jr., of course, uh, who has not played a bunch this year, but came in at a sturdy six foot five, averaging like two boards a game. He gobbled up 13. The Brooklyn Nets defeat the Raptors 131 to 129 in overtime. In I, I can't remember how many players they're missing because of COVID protocol. I'll list them off now. DeAndre Bembry, uh, Bruce Brown, Harden, Harris, uh, James Johnson, Millsap. I mean, Kyrie Irving still isn't vaccinated, so obviously him. Uh, and yeah, Kevin Durant and Patty Mills, I would say, for the most part, led... And Kessler Edwards, too. They led the onslaught against the Raptors. And then everybody else just kind of filled in and tried to play like this really rough and tumble brand of basketball. I mean, Blake Griffin was getting isolations on a cross match on Fred Van Vliet and taking it all the way to the cup. He hit two threes in this game. And so here's a fun little piece of trivia for you. Prior to this game, Blake Griffin had missed 24 straight threes. His last three-pointer made was November 7th. Who did that come against? Correct, the Raptors. And he hit two more tonight. Pretty insane. And yeah, David Duke Jr., six offensive rebounds. So six extra possessions. Uh, Particularly meaningful when a guy like Kevin Durant or uh, Patty Mills is lurking for uh, offensive rebounding opportunities where they get to shoot the three after relocating. Uh, KD with 34 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Patty Mills with 30 points, just gunning. And yeah, Kessler Edwards, he was 3-6 from downtown, had four offensive rebounds. Dayron Sharp, he looked really good in the first half. He had four offensive rebounds. The Raptors just got bodied by Nick Claxton and, you know, KD in this ragtag group of nets. And KD deserves love because he's one of the greatest players of all time. But the Raptors should have been able to prepare schematically You saw towards the end of the game, David Duke Jr., the ball is sitting in his hands and he has to shoot it because the Raptors play him. So it's like, you got to shoot the three. Move the ball from this point on. You're going to put him in a position where they might have a shot clock violation or something. He was 4-13. He went 0-3 from downtown. And 
they didn't really figure it out in this game. That was the most difficult part was that they they had the overzealous help on KD. They wanted the ball out of his hands, but they weren't recovering well. And too often the ball was funneling to dangerous shooters. And I would say actually to start the game in the first half more more than anything, they're pressing up way too much like respecting them as if they were shooters. And David Duke started this game for the record, as did Nick Claxton, as did Blake Griffin. For the most part, even though Blake went 2-4, that's three absolute non-shooters. And they're pressing up on KD and bringing help so far out of the paint that KD was making simplistic little reads just to hand off to guys going downhill for layups and stuff like that. The Raptors' defense was abysmal. It, it was really, really bad. I mean, KD is a, a superpower, of course. He, you can house like a great offense under his giant wingspan, but these are some severely limited players next to him. And the fact that Nick Claxton was able to get 10 field goal attempts all at the rim, finish eight of them, really speaks to like the Raptors, a mental sharpness that you need to have to follow a game plan and to make sure that a lot of these guys they're being put in tough positions where they're not comfortable and they don't just get to do like, oh, these gritty, helpful plays to to help Kevin Durant and Patty Mills and Blake Griffin to some degree. Like, no, you have to put them in positions where they're making decisions, they're making reads against the moving defense. Not that they're just the, the beneficiaries of that from KD. That's the point. It's like they're not getting the ball out of KD's hands fast enough or with enough conviction and then they're left to play scramble. It's like you have to double really hard and then expect guys like Scotty and Pascal to just recover on the back end and then you show hard on the front side of that double, right? Like that's what you have to do if you're going to play that style. Or you could play more so straight up and just shade heavily to KD. That's fine. Ask guys to catch up. But this type of thing where KD was getting like two steps downhill, then they're showing all that attention and then, like, it's way harder to catch up from that point because there's already a wide-open shot available. And it's just like, especially when they're stepping up, like, Chris Boucher, this was, I would say, a pretty bad game for him. Like, pretty bad game for him. I'm pretty pretty surprised he closed in this game. I, I thought they should have gone with Yuta Watanabe, but anyway, Chris stepping up when he very clearly, like, if he's not going to make KD miss from mid-range. Chris Boucher stepping up and, like, getting a hand in the vicinity doesn't matter. But it certainly matters for Nick Claxton, who's rolling to the rim unimpeded and now has like a completely open lane because Chris Boucher is stepping up there. That's not what you want to do. And so the Raptors just set out to be eviscerated by an offensively challenged team. And they, they did not put the, the tertiary guys in enough difficult positions. That's flat out, that's exactly what went wrong. Towards the end of the game, they managed to do it to David Duke Jr., they managed to do it to Blake a little bit. But when you let the team score 130, albeit with overtime, it's just, <sighs> it's not tenable. It doesn't work. You can't you can't actually expect to win a game when you're that sloppy on defense. And it extends even past that, right? Like the 19 offensive rebounds. You got it. <laughs> I know they're cross-matching a lot. I know there's a lot of switching and a lot of catching up because of what KD Put the positions KD puts you in, right? That makes sense to me, of course. But you have to do your due diligence to find a man and body up. Even towards the end of the game, David Duke Jr. hit those hit those two free throws. Nobody boxed him out. I don't care if he's six five. He's got that's his sixth offensive rebound of the game. That's like the nail in the coffin. You got to box out. 
And the Raptors, for whatever reason, continuously throughout this game, just weren't doing it. <laughs> Scotty Barnes, like, I-, I wish that they would have won this game because it would have been like, it still is, but it would have been a, a more ce- celebratory uh, feather in Scotty's cap because the 23-12-5 that he had in this game, the two threes he made in the fourth quarter, one of them a step back, just nuts. Like, he was running back on these transition plays for the Nets and blowing up transition opportunities despite starting, like, 10 feet behind the ball. That That is so much work. That is so much hustle. And, like, great passing reads that we got. And he started out slower in this game because the Nets were really sitting on his little... They didn't want to let him turn the corner. And they've seen him turn the corner against other teams in the Raptors division, Boston, probably more than likely. And they said, we're going to shade really hard. We'll make him pass out. He made good reads all game. Some of them like a little bit uh, banal and the Raptors had to live with it. And that was a big struggle was the Scotty plus bench lineup because I think the bench finished 2 of 14 from downtown. Just abysmal. It, basically, they didn't get run after that stretch. It was it was really except for Utah, obviously, because Utah is he's the best player on the bench currently, and, and uh, almost assuredly will be until OG comes back and pushes somebody else onto the. Well, even Utah is probably better than Boucher as a player, and so yeah, that's that's worth saying as well. But Utah Utah is good, so I, I have no qualms about Utah. As I said, I wish he would have been able to close, even though he did go one for six in this game. One of five from downtown really hurts, but golly, the cliff notes. Uh, I don't know, man. The starters killed it the whole game, and then in overtime, offensive rebounds killed them, and they survived the offensive rebounding, even though they really shouldn't have. You know, in the during regulation, they played really clean basketball offensively. That forty-four point third quarter was some beautiful stuff. Guys were finding spots. Guys were hitting shots. It was they were getting to they were getting to their spots. They're they're drawing attention. They're making the right read, and they were hitting shots when it was advantageous. They did a fantastic job, and this game really fell apart at the seams, man. Because uh, you got to be able to close up possessions more than anything. Like the fact that like Patty Mills is a proven shooter, absolutely. The thirty points is fantastic. But the differential of like guys like Patty Mills and Kessler Edwards combining for 47, right? And the Raptors bench combining for what? I like 15, 16. That's that just isn't going to cut it. That is the whole point of this is that the Raptors starters save for Boucher. So you have Gary 42, Pascal 44, Barnes 44, Fred 47. All those guys play heavy minutes, and all of them, big pluses as far as plus-minus goes, except for Scotty, and Scotty was only because he was saddled with that bench lineup. Fred gives you 31-9. and Scotty gives you 23-12-5. Pascal, 25-6-2, almost 60% shooting from the four. Gary Trent, 25-2-5-3. Six of 12 from downtown, really made it happen as a spot-up shooter, once again, we're not worried about him getting downhill and making those little mid-range jumpers. That wasn't even really a facet of his game tonight. He was moving off ball. He got downhill for it. He got a steal and a dunk, and he had a great give-and-go play with Fred um, late in the game where he got a layup out of it. But 
that that was off the pass. Like nothing. There was no part of Gary Trent's game tonight that was the the mid range king stuff that he's known for currently. This was the real meat of his game. Like that mid range stuff can come and go. The effectiveness of it for sure. But Gary Trent, like the the three steals. Hitting from downtown, spacing the floor, and just some really slick connective passing, which is a very, very new development for him. And he's had a couple games of it in a row. That is what makes Gary Trent Jr. his most positive, his most valuable. It isn't like this off the dribble stuff in the mid range. Who cares about that? But Gary Trent was hitting his open threes and hit a couple off the dribble too. That's all anybody could ask for. He was great tonight. And that's what I mean. It's like those four guys were awesome. Did Fred, like, put up shots at the end of the game that maybe he shouldn't have? Was Nick Nurse likely telling Fred to take it himself because he didn't want to turn the ball over and he didn't want to run an action and do all that kind of stuff? Like, they run those dribble handoff weaves up top. How scared are they if they start running something like that that one of the Nets is going to jump a handoff and get out on the break for a layup or something like that, right? So they just, they want to keep it simple. And so they do that, and it obviously doesn't work. I, I don't really like Fred Van Vliet as an isolation option late in the game. I don't think that's his strength. It's I, I actually, quite frankly, it is not his strength. I I'm still a proponent of giving the ball to Pascal and he'll probably find a look and y- you live with it. Some people would probably want Gary Trent or Scotty, whatever it is. Uh, and some people would want Fred. But like that's the point to me is that it doesn't matter who took the final shot. Because they had this game so much in the bag if they just play better. And that, that's what I mean. is like teams steal games all the time. Like Luka Doncic has stolen many games for the Mavericks, of course. But the Mavericks aren't going to be a good team until they are a team that doesn't need Luka to just steal games for them all the time. And the Raptors needed somebody to snatch this game out for them. When in reality, they're playing Kevin Durant and a bunch of guys who do legitimately spend a lot of time in the G League. All the love to the G League, but that just isn't really something you can do. As good as KD is, the Raptors should have had this wrapped up tighter than like a vacuum-sealed package. This game was, you know, from a defensive standpoint, a bit of a travesty as far as the game plan and the execution of it. And in the starting lineup, who was the biggest perpetrator? Without a doubt, it was it was Chris. And I, I don't mean to rag on Chris too much because I've, I think, very favorably covered him this year, especially relative to other outlets. But this game, defensively, he really was lost. Like, was not cycling rotations properly, would switch out on somebody, and then he'd just sit in the paint and forget about them. Most notably, Patty Mills towards the end of the game, the guy who hit seven threes in this game, Chris switched on to him in a pick-and-roll coverage. And then just stood in the paint as Patty filtered out and relocated for a three. You cannot do that. You have to You have to track these guys. You have to make sure, at the very least, if, if you're not sticking them or hanging out, you have to make sure somebody's scramming or communicate or make sure something else is going on. Golly, man. Like, And, and there's so many other plays like that in this game where Chris was just an astronaut. He had no idea where to be defensively. He was floating and not with purpose. He wasn't hovering. He wasn't... He wasn't being a menace to passing lanes or anything like that. No, the guy was just floating out there and floating out of driving lanes, out of passing lanes that it would have been very good had he occupied them. And man, yeah, and the scheme, I just, I didn't like it at all. Of course, 
KD is a guy who he can kind of bust the scheme at any point in time. But the Raptors, I mean, he shot 12 of 29. The Raptors did their thing for the most part as far as, you know, contesting his shots. The biggest problem was what they allowed him to pass out into in the first half. Certainly the layups, the layups he was able to create for others. And then in the second half, a lot of the attention going to like the three pointers. I mean, his last two uh, or well, sorry. I think his last three assists actually um, were on three-pointers, two to Kessler Edwards, one to Patty Mills. And that's just loading up and not keeping track of shooters. And that's how you lose games like this, especially when there's only like two guys that can shoot the ball on the floor. Like Cam Thomas was two of 10, two of 10. And he was abysmal this game. He was so bad. He had three turnovers. Every time he touched the ball, it was like hell for the Nets. Dayron Sharp had a really good first half. But he was not a factor in the second half whatsoever. So you're looking at like Griffin, Duke Jr., Edwards, like, and Edwards. I know a lot of a lot of uh, great draft analysts that I like a lot really like Edwards. So all the love to him for that. And like, obviously they're seeing something good, and he played awesome this game. But that just can't run, especially when the Raptors on the other side. Like Champagne had a nice little bump off the start of the game, like just being kind of a garbage man and getting putbacks and hanging around the dunker spot. But he still went 0 for 4 from downtown. And some of that was just the ball getting shoveled to him at the end of the clock. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't like that at all. Sfi, two points, one of four. Flynn, one of four. Watanabe, one of six. It's just, you cannot survive. Like, the Raptors have far and away, far and away the worst bench in the NBA. It's not close. They score the least. It, <laughs> they shoot the worst from downtown. Which also is really bad too, right? Because like, if you if you're trying to saddle any of the main guys with the bench, like Scotty, Pascal, or Fred VanVleet, and you say, "Okay, we need you to lift the bench. You have to create shots for these guys." The Scotty, Fred, and Pascal, for the most part, create three point opportunities for their teammates. Those are the types of shots they create. I mean, the the one shot that Utah missed, like. Scotty was in the post, drew a double from Kevin Durant, threw it back out to Utah. He was wide open. It was the last shot he missed of the game. And he just clanked that right off the rim. Not good. And it's like, is if Scotty and Pascal in particular are going to come stirred up inside and Fred is going to get downhill a little bit, they're going to create these wide open three-point shots. The Raptors bench is the worst shooting bench from downtown in the NBA. Terrible fit. And that's why, like, Gary Trent Jr. can look like a savior sometimes because it's like, oh, water in the desert. This guy can actually shoot a jumper. Thank goodness. And huh, it's just, it's a lot to ask of these players to carry the load that they did because that, that core four in this game, good Lord, did they carry, man. And yeah, so I just, what a failure from a defensive standpoint. Didn't box out, didn't have the, I don't know if it's preparedness. I don't know if Nick Nurse was like, well, damn, this scheme is getting cooked. What do we do? I don't know if it's just players being spacey and not, you know, not doing anything the proper way. I'm not sure. But there are just way too many mistakes in this game. Should Pascal have been like, you know, they ran those horns actions at the end of the game where Pascal would get the ball and he's supposed to filter through his progressions. And, you know, the Raptors... To Pascal's credit, they weren't able to open up any type of advantage. And he was just sitting there, lame duck with the ball in his hand. He tried to create. He took a mid-range shot. He missed. That happened twice. They ran the same horns out stuff. 
I mean, he should be. He hit some of those earlier in the game, so you understand why he wants to bail out the offense. Hit like a mid-range jumper, kind of get them out of a funk. I understand it. I see it. But it also would make a lot of sense if he just filtered into that dribble handoff, which he did quite a few times. But late in the game, the ball got stuck and he was taking shots. That wasn't great decision-making. The 0-4 from downtown from Pascal in this game, it really does hurt because you could see on some of these half-court possessions, the ball filtered to him. And like that's the breaking point of the possession. The Nets, they worked really hard to keep the ball from getting to a dangerous position. It's there now. Dangerous in Pascal's hands, open for three. He has to make them pay. He's like 33 34% this year. You got to make one. You got to make one. And he didn't make any. I mean, but outside of that, like his offensive game in this one, really sharp, especially in the first like three quarters. That He was awesome in that third quarter too. It's just finding opportunities for himself, working off other guys. And even in isolation, even in those quick little duck-ins, uh, finding room in a very contested paint. He did an awesome job, and he still finished out with like a really clean stat line. It's just in overtime in the fourth quarter would have liked a little bit more punch. I, by the way, I don't think this is a referendum on Pascal's game. I know people are very eager for those, but that's not coming from me. Uh, he's been really sharp since he's returned from the injury, and he appears to be gathering steam, playing good basketball. And yeah, uh, Fred and Scotty. I mean, there's a lot of offensive production there. And they did their they did their darndest, man. Scotty in particular helping out, like cleaning up that defensive glass. As I talked about earlier, pulling up transition opportunities, two step back threes, and did it all like he, he he wasn't doing much at the start of the game. Like he was just being kind of a connective passer, making good reads, although not like super uh potent ones, but that's okay. Like you have to wait until you know, unless you're like Michael Jordan or LeBron James or like Kevin Durant, right? You can't just bend the will of the game to what you want. A lot of players don't have that type of skill set. And so Scotty, he waits for the ebbs and flows of the game for when he can dominate. And he found enough of those pockets in this game. And then by the end of it, he bent it to his will with those two threes. Stuck them right in these guys' grills. And and the passing was like a big plus too. I just think he was he was awesome tonight. And yes, Fred... As I talked about, you know, I don't like the ISO, but I don't think that's the reason they lost this game. Could he have stolen the game for them? Could he have hit that shot and then they walk out of Barclays Center with a win? Yeah, but that's one possession. And even if you extrapolate it to like three or four different possessions late that you may not have liked from Fred, I don't know, man. The Raptors, they punted so many other possessions during this game defensively, offensively, whatever, that like saying the guy 31 and nine and saying like this guy, you know, he's the reason we lost. I don't, I don't agree with it. If you're wondering like, who's saying this? It's a common sentiment I've seen on Twitter. And if you're saying, why do you read Twitter? And I'll have to say, well, the medium of sports writing dictates that you try and create as large a platform for yourself so that you can uh, gain meaningful and lucrative employment and a, a large Twitter platform certainly helps grease the wheels for entrance into the industry and or uh, important jobs within it. So yeah, that's why I'm on Twitter anyway. Oh, good Lord. Reggie Evans Award, Scotty Barnes, couldn't go to anybody else. Incredible game. He strung a few together, 
the defense is coming around in a meaningful way, man. It's He looks like miles better, way, way better than he did, you know, even like six games ago. It's just like a rapid ascension. Boom, he's there. He went from being, geez, like the worst defender in the starting lineup. Like really, really the worst dis- defender in the starting lineup. By by some measure, he was floating off ball. He didn't know what to do. A lot of his X outs are being like crossed up and confused and all that kind of stuff. And it's he's he's not filtering through rotations properly. And then guess what? He he's there all of a sudden. And not just like there, but just like an incredibly affecting defender. Man. Anyway, uh, top quick reaction comment is from Rambo. It's a tweet and a tweet from Kevin Durant. <sighs> okay. Kevin Durant quotes a tweet from Skip Bayless where Skip Bayless said, the best player on the planet was added again tonight, Brooklyn, going assassin in overtime for the COVID rock nets. Nothing like Kevin Durant. You watch, Braun, question mark? And then Kevin Durant quote tweeted that and said, I really don't like you. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah, Kevin Durant. He, like, it, by the way, what the way Skip Bayless framed this, this is the way some this is the way that some of you people in the quick reaction, this is the way some of you in the comment section behave. You always have to frame it in this really negative way. It's like there's never success without it being at the at somebody else, like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't this happen? Da 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 da. And Kevin Durant is like, even though you said I was, you know, the best player on the planet, I don't like you because this this way of thinking is stupid. It's it's so needlessly combative. It's so needlessly negative. It, it's just there to stir up controversy. It's just there to be like the loudest dude in the room, trying to be as annoying as possible. Just trying to say, well, Kevin Durant did something good, so now this is a referendum on LeBron. Some of you guys have been doing that with Scotty, Pascal, Fred, whoever, for whatever reason. They're teammates, you goobers. And Kevin Durant recognizes that like, oh yeah, I'm not even teammates with LeBron, but this is a regressive dialogue. Why don't I just shut this down and tell Skip Bayless I don't like him? And guess what? I don't like Skip Bayless either. So uh, hell yeah, KD, uh, do your thing. Super fun game for him tonight, the Raptors. Although the Raptors could have played a better defensive game plan and certainly shouldn't have given up so many offensive rebounds that give KD and Patty Mills in particular the chance to reload and to fire away. Good Lord, what a game. Raptors lose in overtime. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.